It's been 86 days since the Toronto Argonauts achieved ultimate Canadian football glory, and now all nine teams have begun to prepare for a new journey up the mountain, looking to reach the top. Some teams look to build off last year's momentum, while some look to build a new foundation, and some just look to hold on to what they've got. While many questions have been answered already, many of them still remain. Can the Argos make the necessary moves to go back-to-back? Will the Bombers do what it takes to return to the dance for a shot at redemption? What will the Ticats all do to try and end the drought in their home stadium? As a new era begins in Calgary, what kind of impact does Dave Dickinson make in his first free agency in the GM chair? Can the Rorkless Lions bring in the pieces to set VA up for success? Will the Red Blacks be as aggressive in free agency as we've seen before as they look to turn things around? How do the Riders plan to address the issues at offensive line? And with the questions in the boardroom aplenty, can the Alouettes still find the answers they need on the football field? And of course, what does wildcard Chris Jones have up his sleeve in Edmonton? These are some of the questions we look to start answering today with the opening of CFL Free Agency. Who will make the biggest splash? Who will make the right moves to win it all? It's CFL Free Agent Frenzy 2023, and it starts now. to CFL Free Agent Frenzy 2023, uh, episode 200 of the Canadian Football Countdown. Uh, what a convenient time that is. A proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. The CFL Free Agency window officially opens in just two hours, and we're here live for the next eight hours to break it all down, all the news and signings as they happen. We've got the usual crew in here today and throughout the day. And a handful of special guests joining us later on this afternoon as well. Uh, if you're joining us on the YouTube, Facebook, or Twitch feeds, we've also got a live chat going throughout the day. Feel free to send in your comments, send in your questions there. And that's all made possible by our presenting sponsor, GameTime TV, which you can learn more about by visiting GameTimeTV.ca or Facebook.com slash GameTimeTVMB. I'll bring in the whole panel here in just a moment, but first we'd like to acknowledge that the Canadian Football Countdown is brought to you from Treaty 1 Territory, traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Cree, Ojibwe, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation, as well as from Treaty 4 Territory, traditional territory of the Cree, Soto, Dakota, Lakota, Nakota, and Métis Nation. Well, let's kick off Free Agent Frenzy 2023. I'm Ryan Coop. I'll be one of your hosts for today, and I'm joined by the rest of the Canadian Football Countdown crew here off the bat. First up, it's the great Michael Garrell making his 2023 debut. Mike, you've uh, you've been away for a little bit, but you're back today for the big one. Uh, how are you doing today, and uh, what do you think about episode 200? You know what? It's weird, Ryan, because you and I were doing episode 100 after our first great tap in 19. That was the three-hour show. Only only reasonable that almost double the line, double and then some for number 200. 
I already fear what we might have up if and when we get to number 300. Nonetheless, good to be back on this show. It is a playoff game day today for me, so the day started bright and early and ends probably somewhere around midnight tonight, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, long day for you. It's going to be a long day for all of us here, uh, but a fun day here. Happy to have you here today, Mike. And joining us here throughout the day as well is the great Trey Colbeck. Trey, how are you doing today? Fantastic, boys. Laptops updated. Uh, got some Red Bull and coffee. We're all good for eight straight hours of uh, of Mike telling me about his sources. I'm loving it. What's the uh, what's the over under on number of Red Bulls uh, Trey's going to drink today? Uh, Mike, do you have a guess? Three. Three? I'm going to say four. <laughs> you would probably be right. I only have two. So unless I do a quick run to Shell at lunchtime, uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be more than that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, and well, well, unfortunately, he can't be here all day. He will be popping in and out throughout. It's the great Adam Stewart. Adam, how are you doing today? Hey, doing good. Just running around at work and I uh, thought I'd take two minutes and join you guys and... Uh, I guess congrats to you and uh, Mike and everything on 200 episodes uh, for starters. And uh, yeah, no, uh, exciting day today. It seems like uh, it chaos hit about, what, two, three hours ago, and it uh, seems like it's going to hit like a wrecking ball all day here. So, Yes, yes, lots of news to come throughout the day, and uh, the CFL dropping a bombshell uh, right before, about two hours before CFL free agency. I think we'll start there, and then uh, over the course of this first hour, we'll take a look at, you know, we'll talk about the CFL negotiation window. Uh, we'll talk about all the pending moves. We'll see when free agency hit officially hits at 11 a.m. Uh, Central time as well. Uh, starting at noon Central, we'll have guests from around the Canadian Football Podcast Network joining us there, so you can look forward to getting some of those perspectives, but let's talk with the bombshell about the bombshell news here. The CFL taking over ownership of the Montreal Alouettes just hours before CFL free agency begins. Uh, we knew there was going to, uh, there was some uh, trouble in paradise, so to say over there, uh, question marks about the ownership of the team. Uh, they let their team president go about a week or two ago, and now the CFL's taken over ownership and brought him back in as the interim president. Adam, let's go to you first on this one because you've got limited time here this morning. Uh, what do you make of this and the particular timing of it? Well, the timing is absolutely terrible. I mean, you've got free agency where people are trying to figure out uh, where they want to go for uh, maybe two, three years potentially, and they want that stability. And right now in Montreal, there's no stability whatsoever. You don't know who the new owner is. You don't know if he wants to keep what's there. It's it's a very bad time to be a Montreal Alouette uh, as a uh, player. As a fan, it might be a little bit exciting because, you know what, you're going to have new ideas, new perceptions, and new ownership coming in. So maybe there'll be some new things coming along the lines for the Alouettes. The one thing, though, that the CFL did stay, say is the Alouettes are here to stay. They're going to be around, which is uh, encouraging at the least. Uh, but that being said, I don't think I like the timing. Absolutely, it's a terrible timing for what uh, what's going to transpire here today with uh a bunch of guys trying to figure out where their new home is and they want to make sure that they've got a home in Montreal. Yeah, it's got to be tough. Uh, how do you, I know we've seen this before. I forget which team it was. We saw a team once not have an official general manager. I want to say it was maybe the Argos like leading in the day of free agency and it was the assistant making all of the moves. 
but it's a little wild to see like the how do you sign guys when you don't really know who's paying them? Mike, what do you think of uh, everything going on here with the, the Alouettes? It, it's just weird. Um, I, I'm going to hope that we're further along the line toward finding new ownership than we're led to believe. Um, maybe we should have seen the alarm bells coming with what was coming two weeks ago. To, to be honest, I, I'm not really surprised because... I mean, I'm surprised in a way that this year both of them over, but I, but I really shouldn't be just given everything that seems to be coming out of Montreal. Um, nothing should really surprise people. Um, it, it's just very interesting how all, all of this has come and and good news, I guess, for all of us who are doing this show to have you know this information to talk about. But it's the most inconvenient of days. Um, to me, you couldn't have done this two days ago. Um, to me, this isn't a story that has kind of developed overnight here between last night and this morning. Um, it, it, it's just really interesting. And, and there have been little hints about, you know, trouble in paradise to steal Ryan's line. But, you know, something is amiss here um, because I, weren't we led to believe that the estate was running the team and then everything that happened with with Jerry Stern like it's not really adding up um maybe now we kind of start to get some clarity yeah but like the, the, the timing's rough right like the maybe now is not the best time to get clarity I did see some chatter about the particular timing of this, you know, convenient the CFL is trying to sneak this under all the other news of CFL free agency happening today. But, uh, you know, go back to the summer, all the talk was on Gary Stern and the ownership there with the Alouettes and, you know, his big presence on social media, really hyping up things for the team there. And uh, I think like you said the other day, things seem to have soured on him pretty quickly. Uh, Trey, what do you think of this news today that the, uh, the Alouettes are being taken over by the CFL? Oh, man, I think this is just another thing where you can say CFL's being Bush League. Like, this should have happened December, you know what I mean, or January. And if it, to Mike's point, if it's been slowly happening and more is happening than we're led to believe, then why didn't this happen weeks ago, you know? And and the CFL, I don't, they're not big enough to slide a news like this on free agency day, especially when free agency day has pretty much been a week already of us knowing half the players of where they're supposedly going, right? Like, it, it's... I don't know that I uncle Gary, I thought he was doing good. And like we've said, his, I, like I've said, it's, it is, it, it, he's, he's spent his time here and he's got sour and it, it's not, it's not, I don't think we're going to remember in 10 years. We're going to remember, remember that Gary guy. I think we're going to remember the last few weeks over maybe the first few weeks a little bit more. And that's going to, un, is unfortunate, but oh, it's glad to see that they're going to stay. I didn't actually think they were going to move when people were kind of joking, talking about that or to fold or whatever, but you you got to get your ducks in a row here. And I just think that it's, it's not a great look for the CFL. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, Adam, I know you got to run here. Anyway, you got a busy day involved. Uh, you'll be back around uh, 1230 central time though. to Talk a little bit of riders and uh, all the other news. So uh, thanks for popping in this morning. And we'll look forward to, to seeing you later today.
All right, and uh, Adam is off, uh, but uh, we are here, and of course, uh, we are all live for the next eight hours here. Lots to talk about. The free agency window opens at 11 a.m. Central, 12 a.m. Eastern time. I mean, one of the biggest storylines today will definitely be what do the Alouettes do? Because we're going to, you know, we've already seen some issues with Trevor Harris, you know, supposedly leaving off to Saskatchewan. You know, Gino Lewis on his way out, Jake Winicky on his way out. You know, these are some major pieces the team is losing that uh, we, uh, you know, it remains to be seen how they're going to, you know, fill those holes. So we'll watch that throughout the day. We'll watch a number of things throughout the day. But I want to get your guys' take here next on the CFL's legal tampering window, if that's what you want to call it. Thanks, Ed Hervey. Um, it's the window, you know, a week before free agency where teams can start discussing contracts with players that are on other teams. And that, uh, occurred this past week and there was quite a flurry of activity. Mike, do you like this? I feel like I ask you this every year on this show. What do you think of it? Do you like this uh, negotiation period? Do you wish it, uh, you know, there was no chatter until today. Uh, and what do you think, uh, in general of how much activity we've already seen? I like the window. I don't like, well, I don't like that everything's basically being broken before signing day today. It's like saying, hey, you're getting a Christmas present. Here's your Christmas present a few days early in the form of a new football player for your team. Um, I understand why they did it. Because um, otherwise, if the window was to open at 11 o'clock, people would start talking. Uh, then you might not have your first sign-in till an hour later. I, I get that. Um, let's be clear. A legal, or, sorry, legal tamp- tampering window has been in existence as long as we know it. It's just public. Tampering happens all the time. It just is now legal, as in people admit that it happens. Um, yeah, I don't know. I uh, I tend to miss the days of it's news to everybody on the day of, but uh, they do it the way they do it, I guess. And, you know, now I'm curious to see, right, because there's that 48-hour window where, you know, teams go back to their old teams and their old teams have rights to, to <clears throat> excuse me, review those offers. Um, I, I'm curious if anybody watched back on, their in-principle agreements today, or is it just going to be smooth sailing what we already know? That, that to me, is going to be interesting. Um, but again, I, I think you need to do something, and this was just a way to do it. And unfortunately, uh, in the day and age of Twitter, people talk, and information gets out, and it's often used as a negotiation tactic. Hey, this guy's going here for that amount of money. Maybe a shot at their old team to try to match or decline. So I'm neutral to the whole thing. Um, I think it speeds up now, but like at 11.02, 11.03, we're going to have some major signings um, right off a hop instead of waiting. So my, my, my long-winded answer is I like it and I also hate it. Um, but I'm curious to see what changes. Quickly, guys, I think there's something here going to happen today, but we're not going to anticipate, and that's going to be the cool part. 
everything just seems to be so nicely tucked in a row. Where's the chaos coming from today? That's what I'm watching for. Yeah, I, I hope we get a lot of chaos today. Uh, you know, as somebody who roots for Team Chaos, like that, that's really what I'm hoping for. Uh, Trey, what do you think? Uh, legal negotiation slash tampering window a week before. Lots of activity already. Uh, are you a fan? We might have to cut, like, make a note because this might be the first time me and Mike 100% agree on something. Um, <laughs> uh, I like the idea of it. Um, I don't know if it was in the t- the NBA's had it for a while too, and I, if everyone remembers the Kawhi Leonard and everyone, their drones are following him around on the airplane as he's going from LA and Toronto and all these teams. Where's he going to sign? Like that hype is was great, right? You know, and nobody knew. You know, again, kind of like Bo, he's buying property in all the cities that apparently he could be playing for, and the hype was unreal. I just don't like all these tentative signings. I think that's something. I don't know how you can get rid of that, or like you can't like I. Because it's nice. I, I maybe when did this start? Almost a week ago. When did it officially start? Monday, February fifth to twelfth. I think was the window. That's too long. Maybe you know what I mean. Like you could do it just Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and have free agency start today on the Tuesday, right? You just have three days. You allow the guys to go out there and you know talk about it, and you know that gives their time. They have their agents, you know, doing their thing. Gives less uh, less time for guys like Naylor and Farhan to spill all the beans, right? And it just, and it, 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 I think it still works out. And like Mike said, who's going to walk back on it? We saw it last year. Guys walk back on these deals. And you know the tampering period, even without it, it happens. Miami lost a first round draft pick for talking to Tom Brady too early, right? You know, and and so it happens in every league. And it it, so I like that they make it a thing, but I just cut it down a couple of days, I think, and. You know, I think it'll be good. Yeah, Randy in the YouTube chat's got an interesting comment here. I wonder how many of these pending announcements are actually just guys uh, toying with their teams a little bit to get more money and aren't actually leaving. Uh, yeah, there's, you know, that's part of this, right? Is I'm going to go out and negotiate uh, with all of these other teams. Okay, I've got seven contracts on the table. What are you going to do to match that? And in some cases, you just can't. We've seen guys sign the contracts that their teams just cannot match. And, uh, we had a very interesting case, I, fi- I think, of this, uh, you know, due to this negotiation window where BC Lions wide receiver Dominic Rimes uh, requested a trade from the team because he was being paid around $110,000 for this upcoming season. And he's been seeing all of these reported contracts that these other wide receivers are getting. And to his credit, he probably deserves somewhere in that upper echelon. He is one of the best receivers in the game. It was a quick less than 24 hours before the Lions said, oh, shoot, okay, we we can't afford to lose this guy. And they managed to sign him to a two-year contract extension, give him a big raise, and get him under contract to skip next year's free agency there as well. So, you know, there are so many side effects to these negotiations that have gone on that uh, I like this window. I think it's fun. It makes a really hyped-up week leading up to free agency. And, yeah, there's always the concern, what are we going to have to talk about for eight hours today? Well, we have these moves to talk about as they become official. We have the additional ones. There's still tons of players left on the board. There were over 200 players as free agents coming into free agency. So there is still a lot of news to chat about here, and I think it's going to be a fun day here uh, throughout the uh, next eight hours and beyond. And Just to jump in here quickly, something that's intriguing me here is I'm scrolling a bunch of timelines. Uh, according to Justin Dunt, there's a lot of interest in Greg Ellington, who used to play uh, with the Blue Bombers last year. 
I am curious just how much, and I'm saying this in a general sense, just using Greg Ellington as an example. Guys that had a lot of injuries and missed a lot of time last year, how that affects their dollar value. Or are they going based on past performance and player history? Uh, it sounds like Greg Ellington has a lot of interest uh, elsewhere in the lead and in general around the lead. So I, I'm curious because, you know, Greg Ellington was one of the best receivers in the CFL prior to his injury last year. You know, what does that do? My, my immediate sort of reaction uh, and uh, thought process will be the Saskatchewan Rough Riders with those old buddies over there and Trevor Harris. But, you know, I could be proven wrong. So it, it's interesting, right, because there's some free agents out there that, you know, missed a lot of time last year. But, you know, what's their dollar value? Is it, are we scared because you missed a lot of time because of injury? Or are we paying you based on past performance? And how does that work? Yeah, and we'll take a look at the free agency board here. Uh, the player is currently available uh, near the start of hour number two, around 10 a.m. Central time. We'll start taking a look at those. But I think before we can take a look and get a full appreciation for all the pieces still available, we need to take a look at the pieces that were going to be available and already have those, you know, under in, tucked away in the drawer contracts heading to new teams, uh, because a lot of the biggest names at some of these positions are off the board. So uh, let me pull up our free agent tracker that we'll be using here throughout the show today uh, that I've uh, spent the past month building in preparation for this and excited to use it uh, heavily here today and take a look at some of these pending transactions. Again, these are ones that uh, have not officially been announced by their teams, but have been reported by, by a variety of different reporters. I'll scroll through these here and then we can start discussing some of the ones that stand out to you guys the most. Uh, let's start off, you know, the Ottawa Red Blacks look to be signing Javon Santos Knox to a two-year contract at the linebacker position. The Riders signing Jake Winnicky to a two-year contract, supposedly. Uh, Kenny Waller, one of the biggest wide receivers, going to the Bombers on a two-year deal. The Elks getting a little busy at wide receiver with reported deals in place with Stephen Dunbar and Kyron Moore, so overhauling their wide receiver core. Uh, the Lions uh, bringing in backup quarterback Dominic Davis uh, on a contract length that hasn't been announced yet. Uh, Trevor Harris to the Riders on a two-year deal. You know, we'll, we'll we'll look at these in bunches. Let's start let's start with these couple of transactions we've looked out at here. Any of these in particular stand out to you guys as major uh, major intriguing points? Uh, let's go to you first, Trey. Yeah, the two that stand out. I have two. Uh, Eugene Lewis to Edmonton. Um, I really like that because you know, because Edmonton because my goal leads in my second one, Lawler to Winnipeg. You know, I think those were two very in, 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 intriguing because I don't think would Eugene Lewis be going to Edmonton if Edmonton re-signed Lawler? Probably not. You know, and maybe, maybe, and then Lawler to Winnipeg. I find intriguing. Where's the salary cap coming from? I know it's a soft salary cap in the CFL, and I know the Bombers have had great uh, financial success over the last few years, but I think Kyle Walters is. Uh, Definitely loosened the purse strings a little bit this offseason to keep the keep the band together and also get the old band member back, Lawler. So that, I think that's very interesting. And I think the what these these two signings show is the market for receivers. Like these guys are getting paid, you know, money that traditionally looks like quarterback money in this league, right? To receivers and 
I just find it's very intriguing. And I also like James, James Butler going to Hamilton. Will Hamilton actually have a run game this year with Bo now, you know? And I hope that's just the guy that uh, his talents don't get squandered in the East that decides to never run. Mike, what are you liking? I, I like the double being demonstrated with Hamilton. I like Casey Sales. Um, there was no way that the Bombers were going to be able to keep him. Uh, given guys that were requiring pay, uh, pay raises. Um, he quietly was uh, under the radar guy for me last year. Um, time to find some new guys in camp. Uh, I really liked what Saskatchewan done. Uh, Trevor Harris, uh, you know, a top, uh, ty- uh, sorry, Trevor Harris, uh, Jake Winnicky, a couple of other signings already already been reported. Listen, I would not be surprised to hear Greg Yellington's name at the end of the day. Uh, in Saskatchewan, um, you know, we're talking about teams throughout the day here that need to do something. That is Saskatchewan, and I'm I'm curious when Adam comes back and some of these signings uh, get officially announced, what 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 his thoughts are. But you know, if there's a team that has to do something today, it's Saskatchewan. Uh, there was. A lot of unacceptable that happened there. Uh, that was below normal Saskatchewan Rough Riders standards. Uh, if these reports are accurate, which we assume they will be, uh, I like what they've done so far today. Big question, Ryan, like you said in the opening, what does their offensive line look like? Uh, they had you know, a lot of injuries and retirements in that particular area. Trevor Harris isn't the most mobile of quarterbacks. He is when he wants to be, but it's it's uh, it's uh, it's very interesting when it comes to that, right? It's like who's going to protect the quarterback, right? Quarterback doesn't have time to throw the ball. That that's interesting. Um, the other one that I think is going to be surprising. I'm not sure if it's on your on your transaction tracker yet. Is the BC Lions of Michael Couture? Um, interesting, but he portifies that um, lineup a little bit there on that offensive line. Uh, kind of fell out of favor in Winnipeg a little bit, and you could kind of see it toward the end of last year. He was healthy but didn't play. Uh, Tui Eli, I think, is bad on a three-year term after taking the taking the last year off, so that that kind of portifies that, you know, depth situation. Uh, you got Jeff Gray in there. You got, you know, Stanley Bryant, Jamarcus Hardwick. You know, the list goes on. There was somebody expendable. As the Bombers saw last year, they spent most of the year uh, without uh, Michael Couture, so it's not really surprising, but he goes on uh, to, to, to BC. You know, it's it's... You, you win some, you lose some, right? You can't keep everybody. And, and Couture, he deserves to be a starter. He's a starter. It's, it's just not going to happen uh, in Winnipeg, especially with uh, the way Kolonkowski played uh, in his absence, which was, to me, a pleasant surprise. Yeah, a lot of these deals uh, we're going to get more details on throughout. We already got some on that Kenny Law, or sorry, that Eugene Lewis deal that you were talking about there, Trey. Uh, Justin Dunk reporting. Uh, thanks, FM fan, for putting this in the YouTube chat. Uh, Eugene Lewis, the highest paid non-quarterback in the CFL with a $320,000 contract from the Edmonton Elks. Uh, that is some big money there. We know they paid uh, Kenny Lawler 300000 last season, so 
They're paying a bit more to uh, Eugene Lewis this upcoming year. And they are, and again, I mentioned these two moves already. I really like the additions of Stephen Dunbar and Kyron Moore there. I like what the Elks are building at wide receiver here. You're talking Kyron Moore, Stephen Dunbar, Eugene Lewis. Uh, you've still got uh, Dylan Mitchell, who I think was one of the uh, top wide receivers in the CFL later in the season last year. And I, I expect Dylan Mitchell, I mean, maybe not as much now because there's too many other mouths to feed. But I expect him to be a young guy that can uh, really just jump near the top of the wide receiver charts potentially and take the league by storm this year. So you have them and then you have Manny Arsenault, that big veteran presence uh, there as well. So great wide receiver crew there for Taylor Cornelius to work with this year. We'll see what other moves the Elks make uh, to uh, supplement that as well. Uh, Looking at some of the other moves, I mean, you guys talked about a few of the other ones up here on the charts here as well. An interesting one is Wes Hills, uh, Ticats running back Wes Hills, uh, uh, originally reported to be going to the Ottawa Red Blacks, and that's what, but uh, there's talk now that this one may be not a done deal and he may be looking elsewhere. And I have to wonder if he's looking at those BC Lions who currently don't have a, a, a starting running back uh, with James Butler going out and a lot of the other pieces being signed there. I wonder if Wes Hills is like, hmm, maybe there's a bit more of an opportunity here for me as well. Uh, the Ticats, Jameer Thurman, Casey Sales, James Butler all look to be pieces they're going to be bringing in today. Uh, yeah, they've been busy. Uh, Stefan Banks on the defensive line looks like some help for the riders there. Uh, despite all the chaos at the ownership level, Cody Fajardo looks to be signing a two-year contract to the Montreal Alouettes. Um, I guess let's go there next. Let's talk about that next. The Alouettes and the Riders swapping quarterbacks essentially for this season. Fajardo, uh, we've talked a little bit about, you know, what could we see from Trevor Harris in Saskatchewan this year with, uh, with the, you know, overhauling they're doing there. Um, what do we think of Cody Fajardo going to Montreal and being reunited with Jason Maz there? Uh, do you think it's a good fit, Trey? And uh, how do you think this is going to play out? Like I said on our last episode, I said, who do you hate more, uh, Fajardo or Dane Evans? Because that's the one I would send to Montreal. And I feel bad for poor Cody, man. And Dane Evans might still end up there too. You never know. But oh man, how bad of a dumpster fire can that place be if Saskatchewan looks like a good place to go for Trevor Harris. You know what I mean? Like Trevor Harris like, yeah, I'm going to get out of here and go to Saskatchewan right now. Oh man. I don't know. I, I yeah. It's just a lot of things happening. I, I just don't even know what Mike. Oh, sorry. I, I, I thought you were done there. My bad. No, go for it. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of speechless with this one. Like I didn't think Fajardo would go there. I thought it would be Evans out of the two, and I I honestly thought Fajardo was going to be the odd man out, maybe getting signed in May or June if there's an injury or something, just because there's nowhere else for him to go. So, Mike, you go, man. I'm kind of speechless. Yeah, I, I, this was this was a head-scratcher. Um, you know, especially with all the – he didn't <clears> – <throat> reported he didn't get a lot of Jason Moss. There was friction there kind of funny because I'll say this as politely as possible. Sometimes when you say something, you have to be very careful because the reported stuff that happens between you and a coach 
might wind up being uh might you might wind up needing needing that person again so i think one of two things happened i think this either this jason moss Cody Fajardo issue OC the quarterback was greatly under exaggerated and sort of over reported in Saskatchewan or they found a way to mend fences because I think having a a quarterback a, a head coach having Moss as your head coach I think is a little bit different than your OC um but still, I mean, Montreal was like the last place I saw Cody Fajardo uh, going to. A uh, little bit surprised now. Maybe we shouldn't be. Um, I-, I thought maybe, you know, and I think you were along the same lines as this, uh, Ryan, Ryan or Trey, or maybe even Adam. Uh, Calgary, to me, looked like the logical spot. Uh, Toronto looked like the logical spot. But now that uh, it seems like McLeod Bethel Thompson's coming back somewhere. Um, well, that one that one remains to be seen because I think it was Farhan Lalji was reporting last week that uh, McLeod Bethel Thompson is looking for options out in the States in the different leagues there first before coming back. And if so, he's pretty openly stated he's only coming back to the Argos and won't be looking somewhere else. But uh that's a big unknown that we're going to talk about as the day goes on here as well as McLeod Bethel Thompson. So, so it, it's very curious to me, right? Because this reported rift between Fajardo and the Ryder coaching staff, while the primary member of that coaching staff, Cody Fajardo, dealt with, is now his head coach on his new team. So maybe they mended fences a little bit and time time kind of heals all, all, all feelings and emotions. Um, well, I was going to say, right? Moss was coaching for his job. Right, Moss is coaching for his job in Saskatchewan. So if they're, you know what I mean, I'm sure Fajardo realized that. You know, Fajardo only got benched because Moss didn't want to lose his job mid-season, right? So, but but to be to be honest, it's I don't like the way things ended in Saskatchewan for Cody, and I think that destroyed their playoff hopes. Um, it, there was a lot of. My guess is there had to be a lot of behind-the-scenes discussions for this to happen. Um, I'm really surprised, and you know, I'm not going to judge a book by its cover, but something happened here in the last few months that we do are not aware of that made this situation okay. And I'm curious if over time uh, that'll come out. And you know, Fajardo's really rose to. Being a good quarterback in Saskatchewan when, you know, Zach Kalaros got hurt and it's very, it's very intriguing now what's going to happen. Well, I think I said this on Twitter this week that uh, Cody Fajardo uh, to, to Montreal to me is a deal of necessity for both sides, right? Like Montreal needs a starting quarterback. Cody Fajardo is the only available option left on the free agent market unless you trade for Dane Evans, who's being held captive by the Ticats right now. Uh, Other than that, uh, you know, there aren't a whole lot of QBs available out there. We'll take a look at them all uh, in just a bit here. Um, And on the other side of things, where else can Fajardo go and potentially get a starting role? This is really the only team without a clear starter. Maybe he could get in a 1A, 1B situation, but... 
you know, even though it doesn't seem like a great pairing and a great fit uh, right now for uh, Fajardo and the Alouettes, it's a deal of necessity and it's something they're going to have to work out with one another. And uh, is that something they can work out, you know, right off the top? Is that something they can work out, uh, you know, as uh, is it going to take a couple of games to do so? is something that I'm intrigued to see uh, once they hit the actual football field over here for the Alouettes. I find it interesting, too. What if they went with VA? Do you think VA would have re-signed in Montreal? If they didn't, if, let's say they traded Harris to BC. You know, it's it's always hindsight's twenty twenty, but that's kind of what's been in my mind lately is, did they make the wrong choice by going with Harris in the long run, you know, over VA? And VA's got the faith of BC now and, you know, has control for the next year or two, right? So... Yeah, just it's, it's a very interesting day. Yeah, it uh, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? We could go back over free agency over the last couple of years and, and track those as things go along and see what kind of impact that would all have. Let's take a look at a couple other pending signings coming along the way. One of the top defensive players available on the market was Falarin Arimolade, who looks to be signing a deal with the Toronto Argonauts. Another former Stampeder going over to Toronto. Color me shocked. Uh, it seems every year. They bring in the guys from uh, Calgary there. Michael Wakefield along the defensive line looks to be signing with the Red Blacks. Uh, same thing with Taryn Vaughn along the offensive line. Uh, Kwaku Boateng is a really intriguing move to me for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. You know, the Tiger Cats are busy. We've already talked about it or, you know, scrolled through a couple of moves they've made uh, over the uh you know, last week or so here. And uh, Kwaku Boateng's a bit of an underrated one because you look at the top, you look at the stats sheets from last year, he didn't show up on them because he got injured in training camp and missed the entire season due to it. But when he was with the Edmonton Elks, he was one of the top defensive linemen in the league, you know, uh, really good at pressuring the quarterback there. So uh, I think that's uh, this could be one of the more underrated signings. And it kind of goes back to what Mike talked about earlier of do you, you know, what do we make of these guys that have been injured and what kind of deals they're going to get going forward here? It's interesting because football is one of those sports that you can take a year off and you're almost maybe better for it. Like, you know, everything, like, yeah, there's an injury, but if you didn't hit the field every day, you know, there's a lot of things that do get right with you. You know, we see it a lot in the NFL guys take a year off, come back and they're probably even better than the year before we saw Lynch Gronk, you know, guys like that. And, 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 you know, it depends on what kind of injury it is. Is it just, is he, uh, oh, is he Strasburg from the Nationals who, who's who been on a nat, like a, the ace for the Nationals for 10 years, but I think he's only played like something ridiculous, like he's never completed a full season. Is he that kind of guy who's just getting his arm hurt every day? Or is he, is was this just a once in a lifetime kind of thing and he'll be fine for the next year? It, it's it's gambling, you know, it's, they're gambling on these guys. And I, I like what Hamilton's doing though. That, too bad they didn't do this, uh, no, wait, this is, sorry, I'm getting confused. Good thing they're doing this because they got the Great Cup this year. This is what Saskatchewan should have did last year and went all out and did this. You know, you got Bo, um, you got Butler, you're making your defense kind of more structured like, you know, Hamilton of the past. And I'm liking where Hamilton's going. And it, I think it, we're going to say this for the thousandth time, but maybe the East might be better this year. Who knows, you know, and <laughs> we'll see. Because Ottawa looks better, Hamilton looks better. Montreal might not be great, and Toronto is the defending champs, right? So you never know what the East is going to look like. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, Scott in the YouTube chat asking, is Jason Moss the uh, offensive coordinator and head coach or just the head coach in Montreal? I just pulled up the team website. Looks like they don't have an officially listed offensive coordinator. So I would think maybe Jason Moss takes on that role, but they do as quarterbacks coach have, oh, you know, one of the greatest quarterbacks in CFL history, Anthony Calvillo. So, uh, you know, those are two Really good guys uh, at the QB position in the past in their careers. Anthony Calvillo, Jason Moz. I know Moz's uh, game plan has been critiqued a lot uh, in his time in Saskatchewan there, but there are definitely some bright football minds there to shape the offense for the Alouettes. It just remains to be seen uh, what that Alouettes offense looks like this year. Uh, some more pending transactions. Kevin Francis, uh, linebacker, looks to be signing with the Edmonton Elks. Uh, big special teams guy for him there uh, last season. Uh, Shaq Evans, uh, one of the Riders' top wide receivers, looks to be headed over to the Ottawa Red Blacks. I really like this deal for Ottawa. I think that is, uh, you know, D Jeremiah Mazzoli is going to uh, hopefully stay healthy this year and hopefully have a bounce back season. And I think Evans uh, needs a bit of a bounce back season himself. So that's a big uh, addition there, you know, pair him with Jalen Acklin, Nate Bahar. You've got some of those other young guys there, like, uh, you know, like uh, Justin Hardy, who came out on strong late last season could be a nice uh, addition there. Hey, the Alouettes did make another move. Justin Lawrence looks to be signing uh, along the offensive line. He's one of the top options available there. Oh, yeah, and uh, if we weren't done talking about all the moves the Ticats have planned for today already, uh, Joel Figueroa along the offensive line to protect Bo Levi Mitchell, and then they give him one of the most explosive receivers in the CFL with Duke Williams looking to sign a deal in Hamilton uh, this season as well. And, uh, well, they've basically booked their ticket to the Grey Cup for this year if they can lock down Ja'Garrett Davis with uh, six straight seasons. Ja'Garrett Davis has gone to the Grey Cup. He's never not played in the Grey Cup in his career. Really, every team should have, you know, backed up the money truck for him this year because he seems to be the good luck charm for at least getting there. Uh, but, Mike, you talked a little bit about some of those Ticats moves earlier, but uh, how much of this is the team just really, you know, doing anything they can to get themselves to the dance when they're hosting the Cup at home this year as they try to break that drought? I did those much better than that. I, I, I just believe I met you off that. I, I really do. I mean, sure, you know, you, you look at some of those offensive players that they have and, and – trying to put themselves in absolute position to win the great cup, you know, starts with getting your quarterback and, you know, bully by Mitchell, probably one of the most sociable people in the CFL, as far as uh, players that he knows from other teams, either from Calgary or, or wherever, right. It's, you know, players talk and I think there's something that, uh, I think there's something to be said about, you know, you bring in a quality quarterback like Bully by Mitchell. Okay, now you're starting to to get, get belief in everybody. And, you know, now he seems to have a new batch of weapons to work with offensively. And, you know, their defense to me hasn't really been an issue uh, the last little bit. Uh, you know, I, they did take a little bit of a step back, but I, I don't believe that was because of their defense. Um and I think, too, you know, you have a did. There's no reason why uh, Hamilton shouldn't be parachuted to the top of the East Division on paper here this morning uh, if what we're led to believe is going to be happening. 
Um, but again, it's, I hate to say it, but football games aren't won on paper in the middle of February. It's, you know, what happens in, starting in June and most notably, you guys hear me say this all the time, the season starts after Labor Day. Um, and yeah, and I, I like what Hamilton's done. I, you know, I just, like, to me, Duke Williams never worked in Saskatchewan. Just to get back to what you were asking me, uh, Duke Williams never worked in Saskatchewan. You know, she finished didn't work in Hamilton. I mean, yeah, sure, you got a quarterback that can throw you the ball, but you know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah, it, I don't know. It's, I don't know. It just, it seems like once you do something on a certain team, I hate to say it, but I think you have some kind of label on you. And it's sad because Duke Williams has all the talent in the world. I hope, I hope for the sake of himself that he learned from that and has a great season because this to me might be a 14 and 4 football team on paper right now. Full predictions in hour one, but okay. 14 and 4, 12 and 6, not that far out of the, out of the question. Uh, but again, we've seen great teams on paper in February, and then season comes around and injuries happen. Um, most notably, I think my example was the Ottawa Red Blacks. I had them much higher in the standings last year, and a couple things went wrong, and well, yeah. We all know what happened because of that. And it's, it's interesting, right? I mean, I like them right now. I like what they're doing. It's it's the bully by Mitchell effect. It's it's everything. It's Atlanta Steinauer, too. He, Him and Michael Shea are probably two of the two of the marquee coaches in the league as far as being personable to players. And it's it's interesting because I think Ryan Dinwiddie is also getting into that into that pray as well where these former players know how to relate to to players and create a culture. The long winded answer to your question, Ryan, is I think it starts with Foley by Mitchell. I think it starts with retooling some things. I know I think it is Tim White that they brought back. Um yep. looks pretty good to me. Question is does it work on the field? Quick mic check my my mic good? Yes. Okay, cool. Uh, it's finicky sometimes. Yeah, a lot of moves here. A lot of moves for the Thai Cats throughout the day today. And you're right, Mike. Like you can, uh, you can go out and do a lot on paper when free agency hits. And we've seen it uh, different levels of effectiveness. We've seen the Ottawa Red Blacks buy themselves a championship in free agency before, or at least a trip to the Grey Cup in their first couple of years after, you know, after the expansion. Uh, we've seen teams like BC's done it before. Toronto's done it before. Ottawa last year, they bring in every free agent possible. And it seems like on paper, it looks like it's going to be a good year for them. And they just don't end up gelling out on the field. So uh, I think there is a mixed bag of success when you do this. But certainly at this point in time, all we can really judge is what we see on paper until we see them out on the field. And uh, things look promising here for the Ticats in that category. Uh, let's take a look at some of the other uh, pending uh, names here. I guess there's just a couple of more 
that we have at this time. Uh, Gary Johnson, a linebacker with the Riders last year, he's heading over to Ottawa. Uh, the Riders themselves making a move and bringing Micah Johnson back along the defensive line. Former Rider there ended up going over to Hamilton. Uh, that is a big piece for them back uh, on the D-line there. And perhaps maybe they had that in the plans when they did release A.C. Leonard uh, a week ago there. I, I mean, Anthony Lanier, Pete Robertson, Micah Johnson, that's pretty solid D-line there for the Riders. Uh, and then the other pending one, Cariel Brooks, was just let go by the Ticats. Uh, kind of shockingly, uh, earlier this week, looks to be signing with the Red Blacks there as well. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of transactions here that are uh, are pending on this list here, and we're going to add so many more of them throughout the day here as well. Um, any other, anything else on these pending transactions uh, that stands out to you, Trey? Mm-hmm. No, I don't think it counts as pending. I'm really interested in Edmonton and the whole Lee Trey situation, but I don't know if that's a pending pending oh, one. We can talk about, we can get into some of these official ones too. Yeah. 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 That's what I'm wondering about is how do you sign a guy? And then within 30 days, you're like, no, 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 we're going to release you. Like, I hope he got a bonus or something, at least in there where, you know, something went on, but uh, yeah. Cause that was weird. Cause who's Edmonton now going to go for, you know, is that where someone, a guy like West Hills maybe goes like, you know, or something like that. I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I mean, Edmonton's a team, I think they're set at, at running back this year with Kevin Brown. I'm really high on what Kevin Brown did late in the season last year. James Wilder Jr. also still under contract there. Uh, I wonder if Lee Trey's a guy now, maybe, you know, I feel like I'm going to say this when we talk about any running back today. Is BC a possibility? Because I have no idea what they're doing at running back yet, right? Like they have David Mackey under contract. He's more of a fullback role there which is what we trade place. So I don't know if that's a fit, but yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to see you brought the guy back. And then uh, supposedly it was just a sal- It was a salary cut uh, a month later to that. Uh, uh, Ante Milanovic we was. So I don't know if this was Chris Jones, not expecting that he was going to be able to sign three of the top wide receiver free agents out there and was like, Oh shoot, I don't have the money available. So, uh, okay, you're gone. Um, but uh, I don't think, I think the Elks will be fine at the running back position. It's just one of those unfortunate things that, uh, you know, the business side of football that ends up uh, happening here. Uh, But you did bring up some of the official signings here. uh, And let's talk about some of those as well. You know, a lot of these guys being re-signed by their teams. I want to talk about what the Toronto Argonauts specifically have done at the running back position. Uh, and get your take on this, Mike. Andrew Harris brought back for one final ride with the Toronto Argonauts uh, for this upcoming season. Uh, they have Daniel Adebaboye as a uh, you know a sophomore running back, 15th overall pick, I believe, last season. He thought maybe he's gonna you know it's gonna be a one-two punch of him and Harris, and Olette is uh, is gonna be a, you know let go in free agency, perhaps off to BC again. And then all of a sudden they bring Olette back also. So all three running backs back once again for the Argos this year. Uh, what do you make of that, Mike? Sorry, there'll be some technical hitches here as the day goes on. Uh, that's better. I hope you can hear me. Um, but no, I, I like it. Uh, that was part of their success uh, last year for sure. Um how do I feel about Andrew Harris going back to Toronto? 
As Bomber fan, as a Winnipeg, I don't like it, but I understand it. Um, I wish we'd see more of AJ Rolat. Uh, to me, he's the most underrated running back uh, in, in the CFL. Uh, I think he deserves to be a shot at number one, and maybe uh, that'll be the case after this year, along with that, that young kid uh, who we saw glimpses of uh, last year. I mean, you know, it, it's time to see football, particularly in the CFL. It's known as a passing lead for the, for the most part. Um, I wish more teams would do the running back tandems like we saw with Brady Oliveira, Johnny Augustine here. Um, I really like what Toronto's doing. Um, you know, they they strike me as a, a ground and pound team that will run the ball and dare you to stop them. And if you don't, if you do... Well, then they have, well, they have some offensive weapons, but Tim Bernie on the, on the pass side. Uh, plus, an underrated defense that we saw in the Great Cup. Um, you know, I still have nightmares of Chad Kelly running, but that's that's besides the point. Um, but, no, I, I, I think, you know, more teams need to employ a, a, a two to three running bat setup. Um, you could use the the young Canadian if you wanted to as a tip returner, punt returner. Use him into a role that way. Um, you know what, what? What also comes to mind is two punishing running backs. I mean, Andrew Harris can punish the defense with you know his first move, and that's then you know he takes two steps and it's five yards. We're a lot as much the same way. Um, just so unfortunate that. Um, it's just so unfortunate that, you know, the running game kind of gets underlooked at times. But, yeah, we saw at times how important it was uh, last year. And, you know what, the, I, I think right now, given everything that we see on paper, it's going to be a battle between the Argos and the Ticats for, for the East. Um, you know, and, and I can be proven wrong. It is February, and they're... There could be surprises, but uh, this is Diardo saying, we want to show that that victory against the Blue Bombers wasn't exactly a fluke, and we want to back it up. And if you have uncertainty at quarterback, you might want to add some certainty. Um, you might want to add some certainty at running back, and you, we all know how I feel about those receivers. I, I like what Toronto's doing here. Um, Almost as much as I like what Hamilton has done so far. So, yeah, I don't think we're in the mood for preseason predictions, but I think I just gave two of them, and we're an hour into this thing. Well, I'm sure we'll have a bunch of random predictions uh, thrown out throughout the show here as well. Uh, Trey, what do you think uh, of what the Argos have done thus far? Uh, you know, adding to the running backs, they've re-signed a number of their different players here this uh, this offseason as well. Do you like them bringing back the crew for a chance to run it back? Yeah, we've got to stop the podcast again. Mike and I agreed for the second time today. That's what's going on. Because I like what he's saying. Why do we not use these running backs more? And, you know, everyone knows me. I'm a big NFL guy, too. Every NFL team... Ryan, you probably learned this having your first year in fantasy. You could start your third string running back of a team 
and he could still get you 90 points on fantasy, man. Like, you know, it, it, they run all three guys, sometimes four guys. We saw it in the Super Bowl on Sunday. Kansas City handed it off to everybody. You know, um, Philly does it too. That's what you do in football. Now, Matt, is that a luxury the NFL has because they have the fourth down? Maybe. But, you know, when you got a guy like traditionally Harris, you know, hasn't been the same over the last year or two. But, you know, Olet, I, yeah, he's almost the same kind of style of running back. You just got to keep pounding them the ball. I'm actually a little surprised that they have two power backs. You maybe usually want to go one of each, one power back, one kind of more speed elusive guy. But I have no problem with what they're doing. And kind of what I alluded to, too, I, I don't even know who I want to, who I would pick as my number one team in the East right now. If I had to do, you know, a free agency rank them right now, I'm pretty torn between Toronto, Hamilton, and Ottawa. I think that right now the 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 Ontario teams could definitely each have a good shot at it. And I'm sure, though, I did say last week that Hamilton would host a playoff game. I feel like I said that, so I got to <laughs> put them in. I got to put them in the top two, and I also said Saskatchewan would, so I got to put them in the top two later. But you know, ah, I I like what they're doing. Um, Sorry, I'm reading. I got to stop reading comments when I'm talking because I'm so ADHD. Um, but yeah, like Noah says in the group chat, he isn't just a power back. He also had that run. Didn't he go down? Wasn't it Olet that had that big run that he didn't get touched for like 30 yards? Like, yeah. he's also got speed and, you know, and someone, I can't remember who else, but someone asked who has a better beard, me or Olet, and it's obviously me. Um, <laughs> you know, I'd grow this out just for you guys. So I like what Toronto's doing, and I think they're putting themselves in a good position to go uh, – go create their own little dynasty and maybe have back-to-back great cup appearances. I don't, you know, I'm not sort of prediction per se, but they're definitely setting themselves up for it. Well, we're just about an hour away from the kickoff of CFL free agency. Uh, we'll go in through all of the signings as they happen today. We'll take a look also at the ones that have, uh, that, uh, you know, have happened thus far and start digging into some of the different teams uh, from around the CFL uh, as well and seeing what moves they've made. Uh, we've got guests coming in to talk about their respective teams in the afternoon. And before then, we'll try to touch on the other ones we don't have guest coverage for. Uh, but next up, what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at the, the free agents available on the board. We're going to take a quick two minutes here just to reset things. The stream will still be running. You'll see a will be right back screen. Uh, and then we'll be back in about uh, two to three minutes here on the Canadian Football Countdown for another hour of CFL free agent frenzy. 2023. Make sure you stick around. We will be right back. 